and we are rolling. We are rolling. Between the time when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of. And unto this mass movement destined to bear the jeweled crown of geekdom upon its troubled brow. It is we, Mass Movement's chroniclers, who alone can tell thee of its saga. Let us tell you of the days of geek adventure. Welcome to episode 22 of Mass Moon Presents, sponsored by Engineer Records. My name is Chris, and I'm joined by my podcast partner in crime, Tim. The Dan- hello. 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 The Daniel LaRusso to my Johnny Lawrence. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> I'm more Johnny Lawrence than you. You're, you're Danny LaRusso. Oh, look. I do. I, it's too probably no candy fans. I'll give you no candy fans. It's just like the bottom the only way. <laughs> Thank you to everybody that checked out the last episode, and big hello to our new listeners. Uh, remember that all our shows are available on Spotify, Apple Music, and now Amazon Music. So be sure to check Amazon those out. Amazon Music too. Yeah, well, well, read the post one. You what? what? No, you didn't. <laughs> I should fill you on these things. <laughs> you should I? tell me some of these things. <laughs> yeah. So check those out, and if you feel like you want to help us out and get involved with the show, then why not stop by our Patreon page too? We've got a superb show lined up for you again, where we will be talking Netflix's latest smash hit, Cobra Kai, taking a deep dive on one of the most important UK metal bands ever, Napalm Death. And we'll be talking beer with the founder and head honcho of Bang On Brewery, Neil Randall. And as an added bonus, we have an interview with the rock animal himself, Crusher. Crusher was the arts editor in Kerrang! in the 80s. He designed albums and touring artwork for the likes of Iron Maiden and Black Sabbath. He served as compere at Donington for a number of years. If you're my age, uh, you'll remember him as the man in the cosmos on Noisy Mother's Raw Power and Power Hour. So there's that to look forward to too. First, let's talk about some stuff that's been going down in geekdom in the last few weeks even. First of all, I, I want to raise a point, man. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore! Okay. Tomorrow night, I'm going back into lockdown. Oh, yes. Because right? a bunch of gibbons can't do what they're told. They like to just take their tops off, go to the pub, but then touch each other up in it. <laughs> So yes. if you're one of those, you lockdown, you're one of those Neanderthals who's put the rest of us back into lockdown because you're too stupid to understand what a pandemic is, the effects it has on, the effect it can have, then, you know, if I meet you, I'm getting out my little hammer and I'm going <laughs> to break all your toes. <laughs> toes. 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 Just toes. <laughs> I want to see him wobble down the street. But, 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 but. <laughs> <laughs> but but look at me now, look at me, but you've broken all my toes, but <laughs> so you pissed off me a lot. Yeah. The thing is, it's like the, the last six months we had don't even fucking matter because they've literally wiped nothing. them all out. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, the pubs are open. Let's all go to the pub. But yeah, if you can survive three months without going to the pub, don't be a knob when you go to the pub. Mm-hmm. Yeah, behave sensibly. There's a reason these rules are in place. It's to keep you safe from yourself, obviously. I think you put it perfectly about 10 minutes ago before we went on air. Yeah. You said, um, 
No gathering of people, uh, in groups of more than six unless there's a till present. Yes. Yeah. Ridiculous, eh? It's Toryism. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore! Let's get on to what we enjoy. There's been some big news this week. Oh, on cocaine and pornography. Yes. No, sorry, I mean... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. That's after. <laughs> what? Bond. Big Tom news. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Is it massive. confirmed, though? Yeah, it's it's one of those things that's sort of so like loosely confirmed. 99.9%, yeah, loosely. So? But I think that's a great move. It's a fantastic move. Yeah. When, when, it, when it went up, because I was, I was looking at Twitter, and Henry Cavill started trending. Because I'd been talking to... Uh, M about my choice of one would yeah. have been Henry Cavill. Okay. Um, and as he was free from Superman, you know, Witcher isn't great. I figured, you know, he's going to, it's a perfect opportunity for him to be gone. Yeah. But then he goes, Henry Cavill signs a new 3D, 3 film deal to be Superman for DC. I think, you know, well, that's not bad. I'm happy. <laughs> Tom Hardy starts trending. Tom Hardy's Bond, and I'm thinking, that works for me. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. really works. Yeah. Because Daniel Craig, because he's proved that your know, Bond can be a Tough really, guy. yeah, sort of not suave, not sophisticated, just down and dirty. You can mix it up what you want. Oh, to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But he can be hurt, and he's got a sort of innate vulnerability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That maybe Roger Moore didn't have, and the only bond, the only sort of bonds that have had that have been George Lazenby and Timothy Dalton before this. Yeah, yeah, I agree Timothy Dalton's really close to Fleming's Bond in that sort of. Um, cold removed sort of business yeah, yeah yeah just all business yeah, isn't it? yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I think it's a great move I think it'll be awesome as a, so, as soon as it was, it was, it was uh, announced you're like yeah it's just right I can see it mm. you know, yeah, I mean yeah. I, I got like I said the other week I went back and watched Venom again and second time I saw it I really liked it yeah because the problem was, I think the first time I saw it was when I was watched Ant Man Wasp because I was on a, on a plane again, as you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, flying out to Orlando, as you do, as you do. But last year, and so I watched Ant Man versus Wasp. Well, I'm sorry, Ant Man Wasp. Yeah. Um, into the multiverse, and then I watched Venom. Yeah. And when you put Venom up against those two films, you go, yeah, yeah. yeah. When you see Venom by itself and you ha- you know you're not worrying about any other sort of films you're not trying to compare it to anything when you mm. see it's a standalone film it really works okay yeah. I mean I, I enjoyed it um, first time I was a bit underwhelmed yeah second it's it's a lot better the second time yeah now. yeah unlike yeah. Dark Phoenix which I still maintain is <laughs> that's going to take a few more viewers convinced <laughs> I'm never watching it again ever <laughs> done with it just done with it done with you but so I'm never I'm not a big X-Men fan anyway yeah yeah uh, but this just you know was like the icing on the, on the big ship play with cake <laughs> so what else have you been doing now? I know you've probably had a beer or two since we last uh, uh, spoke yeah so I um, we have a beer or two as we speak I know the monk beer called Guava Have Hope oh okay which is like a guava IPA yeah yeah um, yeah so good yeah. Okay. And right now, what are we drinking? Uh, we're drinking uh, Bang On's Black Forest Gatto. Yeah, BST Stout. Stout. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, it's beautiful. It's uh, <laughs> how good it was. It's man. really good. Yeah, those um, that's really che- that cherry yeah. flavor really comes yeah, through. Just sort of yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah. It's almost like it's uh, it's almost like a liqueur in a beer. In a, yeah. It's gorgeous. Absolutely beautiful. So I think it's the best 
beer that um, these have made. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I said that about Tiger, but this wasn't a thing on the horizon of the radar when they released Green Tiger, Creepers Tiger. This just popped up out of nowhere. Um, and so was this a recent um, Black Forest Catalyst? Yeah, well, I, the thing is, I saw Neil before we went into lockdown, and I was hanging out with him, and I had some this. It's just remarkably good. It's like, try this, because it's, it's, it's relatively new. And um, it's just fantastic. Yeah, you know, I've, I've started to develop a taste for stouts as well, and porters, which are okay. you know, dark beers. Yeah, yeah. I, I do struggle know, with some of the porters. Well, I don't know if it's because I'm an old man. You yeah. Because I mean? it's, it's like, oh, I'm old now, so I should have dark beer as well as light. And it's like, to die in the immune yeah. something strong now. <laughs> Everything is just withering. This is the old and I am shit. And then, that's why I like some, like, like uh, young beers a lot because you know you get like oh look at this imperial port it's ten and a half percent I can have one of them and forget the fact that I just want to die because <laughs> 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 we let's like, go back to all that Orlando thing yeah. like last year um, across from our hotel we were staying there's a place called Hop Garden which is like a craft beer and sort of um, burger place yeah so you go across there and have like burgers, ultra jalapeno, ultra spicy burgers, and I have like um, Belgian triples and stuff that are yeah. coming in at eleven percent. It's just lovely. It's a great way to spend the day, you know, just eating chip food, getting battered, and so your legs don't work, staggering around in the sunshine, <laughs> calling everybody a twat. You know, amazing. Three point seven. This uh, yeah, it's, it's not. It's not. That's a high good. ABV, but it tastes really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely beautiful. But I also tried. Um, but you know a lot of things about Gypsy Hill. Yeah. Uh, brewery. And I took the plunge on a B fifty two. I've I've signed up with them. You say you joined the club? I, I gotta shout out Mike Davis for giving me a, a free code to get the initial free uh, load. Um which I got and the standout one for me was this Gypsy Hill brewery, this Desert Haze. Right. I am partial to a pale ale and this is the hazy was uh absolutely well, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. My latest delivery phone just arrived today. Yeah. From B fifty two. <clears throat> so it's all it's, it's called the New York box yeah so it's like oh okay that's cool I can open it up get punched in the face mug at gunpoint and he's going to drive away in a yellow cab <laughs> but it's all like evil twin brewing okay so it looks really good so I'm going to get stuck into that on the weekend and just you know what's your preference with the boxes do you go for a mix or do you I go for a mix yeah yeah I go for a mix because it, it tend, you, you either go for dark or you can go for green lights I, yeah. I tend to like to mix it up so like Friday night you know Crown my sorrows with dark beers and like <laughs> incredibly spicy crisps and just sit there and cry. Incredibly and then, spicy crisps. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, oh I love it. Love it. <laughs> these these um, Walkers hot chicken. Are we on hot chicken wings? No. Walkers. No. They're amazing. They're really they're, they're quite hot. They're quite nice. <laughs> but um, Emma and Boo think they smell like cat piss. So, oh no! They don't. They really, really don't. Oh don't they? god! So when they come in, they're like, oh, you've been on the wee wee crisps. I've not been on the wee wee crisps. You make me sound like some kind of pervert. You no, know, I'm sat there. I've not been on the wee wee crisps. I've just pissed myself. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> but it makes it sound like I've taken a bag of crisps, gotta find some frosty, go on five pounds wee on them. I go and oh. meet them then at my leisure when they've all dried out. I shall leave them to bake in the sunshine. Oh, good lord. So that, that's what it sounds like to me. It's yeah. like they make it out like I'm kind of some fucking weirdo. <laughs> but I'm, you know, 
Yeah, he, he sold all these walkers, Chris, all these walkers, spicy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I only wanted to go for a pound because they're usually two quid, but some supermarkets don't want a quid. Yeah. So it's like, you know, oh, I'll have some for a pound. Boogies, <laughs> bruises, trumpets and losers. Don't touch the fucking vertical, don't touch the fucking horizontal, because that's television. This is the Mass Movement Podcast. Take care, rock hard, rock heavy, rock animal. And may your children be born with hair. Okay, it's been a good uh, couple of weeks for trailers too. First of all, we had the the Dune trailer drop. So good. That looks out there, doesn't it? It just mm. looks amazing. To be honest, it seemed a lot like um, Lynch's Dune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just looks like... Uh, uh, what I didn't like was a like, lot wanky hippies, Pink Floyd, playing in the background. Yeah. Could, could have done without I that. I knew you'd dick up on that. Could have done without that. <laughs> Because they are just awful. Aside from that, I mean, it's it's aside from that, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I know why they put um, Pink Floyd on there because Jodorowsky, when he wanted to make Dune in the early seventies, he wanted to use Pink Floyd to uh, try the soundtrack. Right. But obviously, you can get the funds that never happened. Yeah. And they often made that film in Pompeii where they're all just sitting around banging a big gong and no one's watching them <laughs> and doing their self-indulgent thing. Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, the trailer looks fantastic. It does, they've yeah. They've done the worms perfectly. Do you mean there's so many uh, oh, names in it? So many na- big names in there as well. That's huge, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I could be got his name from uh, Star Wars. <laughs> Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac, yeah. Um, Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa, yeah, yeah. There was just uh, uh, Zendaya. Timothy Watts' face. Mike she want to kill me. Um, French sound cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. French only chap. Yeah, yeah. From the distance between us, or some of the, one of those, yeah, one of those yeah, awful yeah. teenage films. It's all about crying and you know, and just feeling, and just feeling, just, <laughs> <laughs> and just you know, all that nonsense. <laughs> so, I'm past the age of thirty-five. I feel nothing anymore <laughs> apart from the abject misery of encroaching death. Spicy chicken crisps. And spicy chicken crisps has burned my ass over the mind if I'm still alive. <laughs> and we had uh, Mandalorian. Season two. See, that looks great, but as soon as it opened, and yeah. you have the two planets come up, I'm thinking, ooh. Yeah, yeah. But then the ship comes in, and it, it looks like the ramp's half down, and it's in trouble, because it's... <laughs> yes. Yeah, 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 it did, yeah, actually. So, it, yeah. that's going to be interesting, mm. to find out where that goes. Yeah, and yeah. It looks like a lot of it's going to happen on Tatooine. Um, well, Sasha Banks is a cousin from WWE. Um, she's the girl... She's the girl in the trailer with the hood up. Yeah. That's Sasha Banks. Is it really? Yeah. Um, so there's, there's been a lot of uh, talk about what her role is going to be. Mm. Uh, a lot of speculation. So that's going to be interesting. Right. People are saying there's a lot of uh, nods to uh, Boba Fett being in that. A lot of sort of hints. Well, he's, I know he's supposed to turn up. Yeah. Um, I think Tamuna Morrison has all but said that he's in at some point. Yeah, but it's what's his face to turn up? It's only uh, Timothy Oliphant. He's casting it as some kind yes, of he is, yeah. Mandalorian role as well. Yeah. So it's all that's going to be interesting. It's going to be very. It's just going to be cool to see it all, how it all plays out. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, know. yeah, the fact yeah. they sort of they, you know, he's been instructed to go look for the Jedi. Yeah. Like, so who's he going to find? You know. Well, it's going to be Obi Wan, which leads me to the Kenobi series. Yes, that would be. It can't be Obi Wan because I don't know. Yeah, there are no Jedi left. But five years after the fall of... Of course it is, yeah, yeah, Obi-Wan, yeah, yeah, Obi-Wan's dead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's all right, I keep going. 
And the shift Skywalker looks Skywalker maybe. That would be interesting. Yeah. Or what's a face? No, it'll be thingy, won't it? That's why what's a face appears. Rosario, Rosario Dawson. Dawson. Yeah, yeah. Because she's supposed to be playing that. Yes. The Clone Wars. Yeah, 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 yeah. That oh would make a lot of sense. Yeah. And that turn up there. That, that sort of fills in, that sort of slides and starts into that. Yeah, yeah, well. yeah, yeah. That would make a lot of I'm sense. I'm done with that. Hi there, this is H from Acid Rain, and you are listening to the Mass Movement Podcast because you're a sensible, clever, smart individual. So, um... All right, Daniel the, LaRusso. <laughs> yeah. The big, the big thing on Netflix. Over the last month or so. Oh, oh man, how good is it? It's, it's so indulgent, it's, isn't it? It's just, it's just like proper 80s, 80s yeah. you know? It's so cheesy. It's good. And when you're younger, you start to think, you know what? Yes, I could be like Daniel and so, but then you know, you reach a certain age, you know, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm Johnny Lawrence. And I always was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you start to see it from his point of view. Yeah. Daniel LaRusso, what a prick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And every aspect of his life, you just think, you're a ginormous dickhead. Yeah, yeah. Complete ballad. And I love the swerve they put on Karate Kid. Like, you know, they said, oh, there was like, that whole sequence where Johnny was explaining how Daniel... He was okay in high school. Then, yeah. then his kid from New Jersey, New Jersey came along. Daniel stole his girlfriend. Yeah. Um, started a fight. Yeah. Um, okay, he threw the, threw the stereo, but Daniel pushed him. Yeah. Or pun- uh, sorry, sucker punched him. Yeah. Who started boy, you know? It's, 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 I love how they put the swing on, you know? I, I think it's... Um, another chat with, chat with Wes and Oates, the author, hmm. um, who I am absolutely privileged to call a friend because he's one of my favourite writers in the world. Yeah. And he met with William Zabka when he's come one of conventions and he was talking about him. He said he's just a lovely, lovely guy. Yeah. Absolute sweetheart. Because he met him and Martin Cove. Oh, okay. Because they were both there doing the cover yeah, yeah. thing. And you know, Cove's nothing like he is in I was like, oh Martin Cove's got a bit of a bastard, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's the kind of bloke who'd stand like in the shadows, wait till small lady walks past him, give him a push her over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just go, boom! the visa there. And show his knob and then run away. That's all I saw Martin Cove was like. Yeah. But he's not, he's not like that at all. Okay. But I, yeah, I don't know, it's... I think the ultimate bad guy, you know, you know it's going to turn out to be Crease, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to be, you know... But yeah, and you, you, you watch this and you just like, the soundtrack's fantastic. You, know, you should yeah. listen to Guns N' Roses. And, 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 yeah. And, and it's all Guns N' Roses, a rat and like... Proper 80s metal. He doesn't know how to use his phone. He doesn't know how to sign yeah, yeah. his computer. And when he does get on the internet, all he wants to watch is Chuck Norris kicking the shit out of Bruce Lee and, you know, karate flights and Iron Eagle. <laughs> Iron Eagle is life. Life <laughs> is Iron Eagle. When he goes to the bar, he's like, you've seen you know, when they try getting him onto the, um, onto the dating apps. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, it used to be so easy. You go to a bar, you bump into a girl, you say sorry, you buy her a beer and you take her home. <laughs> And it's like, it's not good, or is it? It's chicken. Yeah, chicken. And then when that woman bumps into him and does exactly the same yeah, thing, he's, he's just so like, impressed. Oh, no, no. he's just like, are you rude, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Like, this is how it should be, this is how life should be. And I wish life was that simple. Like, yeah, really yeah. Do. You know? But you, you just want, you're just rooting for him, aren't you, throughout Johnny Lawrence. You just, oh, absolutely. And you, you, but also, you know, you know nothing's ever going to go his way because he's Johnny Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're also rooting for them. There's several moments where you're just like, oh, you two, Daniel. Johnny, get in a room. You will be okay. You will be friends. You actually got more in common than you realise. Yeah, that's that's fine. I, I just think that you know, Johnny Lawrence is going to finger Danny's wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Sorry, sounds really cool. Season three spoiler. That's a comedy. Yeah. Um, 
No, it's, it's, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. It came on and I just started watching it. And I smashed two seasons in a weekend. I literally watched yeah, yeah. both seasons in over like a Saturday and Sunday. Well, you just eat them up and it's like half an hour long. So yeah. You just eat them up, uh, you know, and... But it's, it's, it's so easy to watch. It's so... It's funny, you know, and it's light-hearted, but it's got... It's, it's got heart. Yeah. It's got, it's got action. It's, it's everything. It's absolutely everything. It's... I, I thought when I first heard it was coming out a few years ago... I thought, oh, God, it's just going to ruin the Karate Kid franchise. If Anthony's made it better. Yeah. You know? It really has, yeah, yeah. And now I'm thinking, can I go back and watch Karate Kid? I can't watch Karate Kid the same way as I used to watch it now. Because yeah. Because all the way through, I'm just going to be going, boo! Yeah. Boo! Oh, poor Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally going to be like, you know that Princess Bride scene? Yeah. When Buttercup comes down and, and you know, she's expected to be greeted by... Boo! Boo! Yeah. And that's all I feel like. Yeah, when yeah. I see Daniel Russo now. It's like, boo! It's boo! <laughs> down with you and down with this sort of thing. You, you know, know the, the rumour you know, is Elizabeth Shue has been cast. Yeah. No, she has. It's not right, is it? Yeah. Because she went, cause she was in um, The Boys. Yes, she was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she left The Boys and she's gone to Cobra Kai. Nice. Which is why, have you seen the, the have, you, have you seen the last episode of Series 2? So, you know, yeah, yeah. Except his friend request. Yeah. She's coming back. Yeah. But she but she didn't friend, you know, she sent him a friend request. She didn't send one to Daniel LaRusso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? She sent one to Johnny because yeah. Johnny Lawrence is obviously the goddamn love of her life. Yeah. Oh. Which great. is as it should be. Yeah, Give yeah, him yeah. a break, you know? He needs a break. Let Johnny be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I know he's gonna be a dick and a thug and all that kind of thing. No, that's beside the point. He's from the 80s. It's like that, yeah. you know? He rules. Yeah. So check it out. If you haven't already, most of them will have that, but Cobra Kai is on Netflix now. Check it out, and then think about all those lovely 80s chicks and whatever. <laughs> this is Roger from Agnostic Front. You're listening to Mass Movement Presents. Okay, let's have a break from the chat for a minute, and let's have a track. we got a brand new band for you. They got together during lockdown. They've managed to record a couple of tracks, which are on Bandcamp now. They're called El Chapo. They're a two-piece from Bristol. They play punk mixed with a bit of sludge. This is called Dope Stash.
case, that was El Chapo with Dope Stash. Go to their bank camp, go to their Facebook, download it, throw them some money, you know the score. Show them some Put money. some green in their hands on your way, little man. <laughs> okay, well, I've been reading um, the new Star Wars book from Timothy Zahn, Throne Ascending. Um, the whole series, isn't it? The yeah, yeah, yeah. Books, yeah. Well, yeah, Throne is one of those characters that's sort of not featured in the movies, but has become one of those cult characters that's kind of beloved okay. from, from just from just books. And he appeared in the Clone Wars, and you know, he mixed up with Anakin and stuff like that. But this is um, this book is showing him some uh, proper love, if you like. It's coming through his backstory. It's, it's fans of Throne as the character will. So is it like the origin story, or is it? Is yeah, it's an origin story. Origin story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's a character that's, that's needed fleshing out. Right. And they've done that. Um, you see his, his rise from just an opposite... Sorry, he comes from like a poor family. Yeah. You see his... And in the culture he lives in, the chest uh, culture, um, he's, his swords don't go into um, the army, if you like. Right. They don't become what he became. But they saw something in him uh, and took him on, took a chance on him. And this is his ascendancy through the Chiss uh, okay. ranks, if you like, from just a sort of officer through to Grand Admiral, uh, which obviously becomes in the Galactic Empire. Either. It's, like I say, it's a character that's needed fleshing out. The best guy to do it was Timothy Zahn. Because yeah, did Zahn create him in the first place? Yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah. So Zahn's got so much history with Star Wars, it's, it's ridiculous. He wrote the original books that are now legend. Um, so it's only right that he gets to sort of um, give this character some yeah, more further, further, the, further the, the character's development arc. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's other um, like Admiral uh, Alani, who people might know from the Outbound Flight books. She's another character to do with uh, in the Throne uh, universe, if you like. Her backstory gets more fl- flushed, uh, fleshed out as well. So it's just um, it's a homage to the, the fans Fans who wanted this are now getting that. Right. And that's what this book is all about. It's his backstory taking him to where, to the point where we know him from. And it's, it's just a beautiful read. It, it skips through, like, it, the first couple of chapters, you're like, it's a bit sort of military jargon. Yeah. And you may struggle with the first chapter. So it's like a heavy military type Yeah, stuff, but it's, it's almost. Yeah, see, I like that kind of stuff. I'm yeah, yeah, that. I mean, some people do. Um, yeah, it sort of appeals to my mindset. Yeah, but you know, if you're not in the Star Wars uh, sort of mindset, you may struggle with it. I mean, right. but if but after that, you you've got a classic Star Wars story, and um, I can't wait for just more and more to hear more and more about this character, and um, if we can see him in movies or you know things along the way. See, I don't think he's big enough to actually make an appearance in the movie. Maybe no. they go into a, into a cartoon. He's probably well, he, been in cartoons. No, he's, he's been yeah. in Clone Wars, yeah, yeah. Um, he helped Anakin out uh, in Clone Wars um, for his own gain. Right. He's helped Anakin out. But that's sad, time. right? Did you see the sneaky Disney announcement? No. Right, so December 22, December 24, December 26. Yeah. What's happening? No idea. Three Star Wars films. December 2022... December 2024, December 2026. Oh, okay. They have lined up wow. the slots already. That's these three films. That was another one. I didn't, I didn't hear that. Yeah. Wow. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That is another Taika Waititi. 
That's going to be, I think that's going to be his trilogy, yeah. Wow. He's going to be involved in that somehow because they're, they're just throwing mad level tackles at me. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, I have all the level Do you need? need. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want. Oh, I would like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but if, you, um, if you're a fan of, if you're a fan of uh, throwing books, old and new, this is definitely for you. Uh, check it out now. Timothy Zahn, absolute legend. I'm glad he got the right. Well, talk about comic books. I read. Um, on the weekend, mm-hmm. I finally found some time to catch up with the new Jim Zub Conan book. Oh, okay. Conan Serpent War. Yeah. It is so good. Yeah. Oh, it's literally like Jim Zub's love letter to Robert E. Howard. Really? Yeah, because it, it, he does um, like an eternal champion sort of saga that Michael Moorcock did. Okay. With, with his seven champions. But then you realise that that eternal champion idea... Michael Moorcock which was originally borrowed from Robbie Howard a really small story about called Valley of the Worm right which is what Zub focuses on for this so he basically um, brings together Dark Agnes Conan the Barbarian and Solomon Kane and then throws Moon Knight into the mix and oh, Moon Knight's really? one of my favourite Marvel characters yeah yeah and they have to basically battle against the Elder Gods and save all the creation from a worm which this character of the worm which, which is which spins all the way through history so That's instead of fighting set and, and the worm, it's just amazing. And it's all done with like a flourish and a passion that is really rare to come across in yeah, comic yeah. books. Well, that, that was out this week, was it? That's it, Well, the trade's out now. It came out like a week and a half ago. But okay. I love Jim Zub anyway. So right, yeah, yeah. He brought Dungeons and Dragons to IDW and yeah. he did uh, the Figment books. And he's got one of the best runs on Champions you will ever read. Okay. The guy's like one of the greatest comic book writers yeah. of the modern age because he's funny, he's witty, he's got a flourish. And he takes... like. Figment, you know, like uh, Figment from um, Eckhart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he wrote a comic book about Figment. No way. Six issue comic book. Oh. I mean, it's like a deep dive on the examination of like how imagination and science need each other to flourish and how yeah, yeah. one is bereft without the other. And it's really deep and really interesting and really funny and touching at the same time. Yeah. Sort of like his, his brother, um, Champions, but with this Conan book, I'm just like, this is amazing. You must. You have Robert E. Howard on the same sort of spiritual level that I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If not more. Yeah. Because you, you will absolutely adore these characters. And that comes through, is it? Yeah, you've yeah. brought to life in a way that's absolutely impossible. So if you love Pop Adventure, if you love Conan, I implore you, just read this book because it's so good. We're on more comics. Let's yeah. talk about... Let's get to know each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going that's to cost, <laughs> cost you a pizza and a couple <laughs> What was your first comic book that I remember reading? You remember reading? It was two. Okay. Um, and it was, well, maybe three, because uh, when I lived in Liverpool, yeah. um, I had an uncle, Audrey, and she used to always be around our house. So yeah. Like, and she helped raise me uh, when I was knee high at the time. I was well in my 30s. And yeah. She was always someone to talk to. She went on holidays with us. I've been around the world there and stuff. And um, the first comics I remember reading were Rom number one, Marvel Rom. Okay, yeah, yeah. Rom Space Knight. The first Marvel Star Wars comics, and she got me the very first issue, two thousand eight. Well, that's cool. And that's that. That's my introduction to comics. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking seventy six through to seventy eight, maybe. That's the, the sort of period I remember getting into comics and starting to read comics. And, yeah. And, actually digesting them and becoming part of my um, cultural lexicon, my, yeah, part yeah. of my, my life. As well. well, okay. 
Well, mine was, uh, <clears throat> I was, I was actually looking it up because um, the comic I first remember reading was actually published in 1973. Right. It was the whole death of Gwen Stacy arc. Well, right, obviously, I wasn't born until 77. But don't forget, Marvel UK did a reprint of all Marvel yeah. US titles, so you might have read one of those reprints. I think that's what I picked up. Yeah, they, what yeah. I do remember about it, there was a stack. My my primary school used to keep for rainy days stacks and stacks of comics. Stacks and stacks of men only. And, <laughs> yeah. and naive. But when you got really, really bored and it was rainy, and you know. But I remember this. Um, I remember Doctor Who comics. I remember some Marvel comics. I remember picking up, it was the one, the actual one where she was killed by the Goblin. Right. And I remember reading and thinking, I've been feeling so upset because I wasn't really, I, I liked Spider-Man then, but I wasn't... But you're not invested in this character, you're not invested yeah, in Yeah, but the fact somebody could die and like my, you know, Spider-Man was upset and he was like seeking revenge and he was angry. Yeah. In fact, you saw that in comic form. That was my, I think that was my first exposure to that sort of thing. Right. <clears throat> and it left a mark. Um, then I went on to the Star Wars comics, as, mm. as you um, mm. alluded to. Um, and then went on a weird tangent. Um, massively got the Royal Rovers. <laughs> a I thought you were saying, I went on a massive tangent, I got into Jackie, which is where I came known as Christine. <laughs> yeah. Well, that too. <laughs> well, uh, the Royal Rovers. Saturday afternoons. Okay. Classic Royal Rovers. So I went, um, I, I was buying the ones in the 80s. Yeah. But then trying to track down ones from the seventies. See, I hated Royal Rovers. Did you? I absolutely loathe it. Um, so you're, you're a football fan, are you? Can't stand football. Yeah. Can't stand it at any price. I am the only scout in the world who hates football. I know, that's incredible. Well, but the thing is, it's just like I can't stand the Beatles either. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's probably because I didn't ram down my throat all the time when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. And I, my rebellion is, you are not listening to the Beatles. <laughs> you're not watching that dreadful game. You like? I'm just not doing it. Fuck <laughs> off, it's not happening. But, like, we talk about comics. So, you, you know, like, ROM, I think, sort of appeals to me because it has that sort of um, space age sensi- sensibility. And you've got these planets under siege by the dying race, so they converted all their young men into these space tanks who then couldn't become anything else. Yeah. And dying race go to Earth, and ROM chased them to Earth, and that's where the first issue starts. And it's, you know, this the impossibility of this mission. He knows that this, all all he is is pursuing these dialects. That's all he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all there is to him. It's just it's that singular purpose. I, I can I can understand that. I can understand that sort of ideology. And that I guess that appeals to me. Same as like what dread appeals to me. You know, not because yeah. he's a corrupt, morally bereft fascist pig. Because that's what essentially what he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but because he has. He has a singular vision. Yeah. Shall we say? Looks like Hitler. <laughs> well, not really. <laughs> um, but it's, it's that sort of singular drive. Yeah, yeah. And that sort of purpose. Yeah, yeah. Um, that I think you find. You know, if, if you got your little Hitler fetish, that's fine. <laughs> you know, I know you like to put your little lady hose down and you know, tomorrow belongs to us and sort of strut them out of it. That's, that's your thing. That's fine. I, I appreciate it. Well, I think, you know, everybody's comic tastes change. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Of all the time. Mine haven't very much. Okay. Because I'm still a Marvel guy. I'm still a 2000D guy. Yeah. Um, I can, I, I'm open to, to almost anything. Oh, yeah. Comic I will there's, read. There's some, yeah, there's something I can take from most stuff. Yeah. But then, so after the Royal Rose, it sort of became 
what was that? I mean, sort of late eighties, late nineties, sort of like into the Batman, the Killing Joke, and that sort of thing. Right. So uh, yeah. and then DC was like, was it ninety two, Death of Superman, somewhere around there. Yeah, it was that sort of, and then you know that sort of crept in and that reignited um, love of comic books, you know, which has continued through. So. See, during the eighties, we the eighties is all about Dark Knight Returns and sort of Watchmen and that. Yeah. You know. Alan Moore being all, I'm too clever for my own good, a bit too wanky, I'm just screaming my own ass. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I like all that stuff. I really do. But I still firmly believe Alan Moore's greatest work is Tom Strong. Yeah, there was like America's Best Comic Books. It was like a really short-lived, okay. so maybe year, two years. And Tom Strong's like this pop hero, science fiction pop hero. Yeah, yeah. That borrows liberally from like the 30s and 40s and like the whole Doc Savage kind of thing, but updates it into the modern age and throws so many pop influences in this one. So you just go, it's amazing. This is the best thing you ever read. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. he walks away from that to go basically, to go like porno comics. <laughs> porno comics. <sighs> you know, it's like, yeah. dude, just, you know, I could buy Maeve. <laughs> I wonder if I could razzle. <laughs> oh, I, I'm not cheap, mate. It's <laughs> like Nave was a bit of great, you know, Nave was a bit class. That's the one Neil Gaiman got his break. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, he did. He yeah. actually interviewed Alan Moore for Nave. That's how he got his break. Wow. You know, and they think that's that's proper class. That is. That's like, <laughs> that's like that's like a fifty p cigar rather than a five p one. Because <laughs> <laughs> you pick up like Raz and you always expect to see your mate's mum in there. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, yeah. It's, hey, I know you, your Mrs. Johnson from down the road. Razzle was always the one in the bushes on the way to school. Yeah, because like even even the dirty old purpose go, that's too bad even for me. Yeah. I can't I can't read this <laughs> this bloody filth <laughs> in the bushes. I mean, that's that's not, I can't I can't get it. But like yeah, like I see with comics, it's just it's all those early books. Yeah, that sort of start you on your path. I mean, like you're talking about yeah. like your first impression of Spider Man. I knew Spider Man was because I read a couple times. But my first real memories of Spider-Man was, was a Nicholas Hammond sort of series in the late 70s in America. Yeah, yeah. And they cobbled them together as films and released them in the cinema here. So in like 78 or Oh, was this the... Yeah, okay. Um, I went to see this film. And, Live know, action movies. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it's, it's the dude from The Sound of Music playing Spider-Man, except I don't believe it's him in the suit for an instant because <laughs> all those dreadful movies he makes... Yeah, <laughs> and then solid jumps and like I'm yeah, just yeah. gonna stand here like for two seconds and stare at the camera. But it left a lasting impression on me. But, but bear in mind, it's the same sort of period as you're seeing like the cat out of space. Yes. So you got to allow for that, haven't you? Yeah, but you, you so effect special effects mean nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You suspend the disbelief in such a way in your child that you can watch this and take it seriously. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I did, and it left a lasting impression yeah, on me. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's my first problem. I remember finding. Alright, cool. Hi, this is Barney Veer from Night Farm Death, and through my many years of association, you're listening to Mass Movement. Do you have a track now? Are we going to play a track by now? We like these guys, Tired Radio. We do indeed? Yeah, we do. So this is from the uh, Patton's EP, uh, this is called Gouge.
Okay, that was Tired Radio with Gouge. They're on Engineer Records, so uh, go buy their EP now called Patterns. Go to engineerrecords.com and pick that up. Let's talk Star Trek. Yes! <laughs> I do I just love a bit of Star Trek. I was a Star Trek denier for years. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um don't know why it's stupid on well, hindsight, but it was always that Star Trek was a Star Wars thing. And I obviously I was a Star Wars guy. I felt like But well, I bet you your first exposure to Star Trek properly was next generation, right? Yes it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why you're Star Trek denier. Yeah. Um yeah, my first exposure was Next Generation. The first time I liked it, though, mm. watched it and enjoyed it, was the original series. Exactly. In the late 90s, I was very ill. I had a temperature through the roof. I had, a, I had the flu and I couldn't sleep. I went downstairs. I laid on my sofa feeling sorry for myself. Uh, turned on the TV, there's nothing on except Star Wars. Star, Star Trek. Trek. Um, <laughs> the original series. Yeah. Um, it was season one. I was like, oh, this is perfect. I think I missed like two, three episodes. I was like, and I watched it every single night. It was two hundred per night, I think, something like that. I watched it every single night, and then I went and bought the DVDs, and they just sort of went, "Wow, why did I wait this long? I See, feel like I've missed out so much." I'm not a fan of the Next Generation movies. At all. I, no, I, what? <clears throat> I don't like like the first three seasons or so. Until the ball comes into it, it doesn't get very interesting. Yeah, that's um, very true. At all. I think it's a bit disappearing up its own arse. Yeah, yeah. At times. I appreciate some of the characters. I like, you know, sort of Wesley Crusher. Yeah. As he gets older, not when he's like a bit whiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like the idea of Picard more than I actually like Picard. Okay. If I'm honest, I just like the idea of a bald space captain. Yeah. <laughs> Being like sexy and shit. Yeah. I do like that. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that Riker is just Riker. He's like, oh, I'm Will Riker. I walk into the room. Let me show you my hairy manly chest and big medallion. <laughs> And so, and Worf, it's just awesome, because uh, if there's a problem, I shall punch it away. I, yeah. I appreciate that. I can understand that logic, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am beset by emotion. Punch it! <laughs> punch it. That works for me. Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. But nothing works like the original series. Does. No. And that is just, oh, so good. Again, it's one of those things we talked about just now. It, mm. it takes getting past the limitations of the time. Right. And the budget of the time. But I if, if you watch it when you're young enough, mm. none of that stuff even figures in your figures. Well, I didn't see it. I watched it when I was sort of in my 20s. Mm. So, but I had that mindset from when I was young. So. I can I can let go of that. Okay. I still but, can. Yeah, but it's just like with, <clears throat> with Star Trek, I went to see Star Trek, the motion picture in the cinema. Yeah. And I already knew what Star Trek was because my mom was a massive fan, which is how I got interested in Star Trek. So okay. my old man and a lot of people massive fans of Star Trek they like them more shit so I went to see Star Trek motion picture in the cinema I remember when we went one evening there was like seven of us uh, it was me my old fella Audrey uh, my uncle Bob my mum family out in Star Trek family out in Star Trek yeah 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 my cousin Richard and Shirley and we were like watching this film I, I remember looking around in the cinema the only people who were awake are me <laughs> my old fellow and Bob the other three it's like <sighs> fast asleep this is like 1979 1980 yeah, somewhere yeah. on that page and it's not the fastest moving film no that's right it's incredibly interesting yeah and wonderfully character and wonderful character but it's not the best Star Trek film and it doesn't really pick up with Star Trek it's like there's that rule isn't it the original films made the rule so um, odds of shit 
humans and birds. Yeah. Right, so yeah, that's right. Star Trek sucks. It's alright. It's watchable, and you go back and revisit. You go, eh, there's bits that I would change a lot. Yeah. You know? Star Trek Two is fantastic. Yes. The Ricard and Mon- Montemont just hamming it up. You know. Yeah. I should around Perdition's flame. <laughs> I hammered next to the dog. You know? Yeah. You know, I shall chase the Kirk, and then Star Trek Three, which is a bit search as well. Yeah. Yeah. Four is pretty good. Because we've talked about four before with Kirk Thatcher a bit, you know. Yes. How many megaturns? Yes. Um, That's it. They go back to LA, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, five is okay. Then it's going to come. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's six. Five's the search for God, isn't it? When they go looking for God. Wanky, but. So four is uh, the Voyage Home. Yeah. Five is Final Frontier, yeah. And then six is the other skin. So to me, it's always like the original series is the Star Trek that always stands out for me. Until, I think, Voyager. And Voyager got great, like season yeah. three, season four. Of it. Yeah. And then Enterprise just pissed all that goodwill away. Did you like uh, Deep Space Nine? Yeah. Um, in the later series. Again, yeah, there was no, like Next with, Gen. Yeah, it, it, it takes like three series to get going. Yeah. Star Trek Discovery. Is immense. Yes, it is, yeah. It's yeah. absolutely fantastic. And Picard's pretty good too. Picard's not quite as good as Discovery yet. Yeah. But it's getting there. Star Trek Discovery Series 2 was just... It, it was, yeah, and that was one of the finest things that's happened to Star Trek in a long yeah. time. Yeah, well, because the dude who played Crystal Pike. Yeah, yeah. You know, and now he's getting his own spin-off series, so they're doing like a Star Trek Series 1 Crystal Pike. Yeah. Which I'm fully buying, and I can get down with that. What's in the newer movies? The uh, Zach Winton... I like them. Pine. I like them. I like the first two. I'm not a fan of the third. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I like Christopher Pine as Kirk. My problem is, with him being Kirk, is his dude playing his dad, of four, is a better Kirk than Chris Pine was. He's on yes. screen for like five oh, minutes. Oh, yeah, right? I remember. Oh, and this, God, is why, yeah. this is why my missus calls Christopher Pine, not Kirk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not Kirk. Because, you know. It's not Kirk. <laughs> Thor playing Kirk. Yeah. And I swear, if he hadn't had Thor at that point, he should have been James Kirk because he would have been immense. Yeah, yeah. Simon Pegg shows up in those, doesn't he? Yeah. And, uh, he, he's not bad, he's pretty good. Carl sure. Urban, I like him. Well, Carl Urban is, is uncanny as McCoy. He's yeah. just as McCoy. He's just amazing. Yeah, he really is, yeah. He pulls that roll off like. I, I, and Anton Yelchin, obviously. Oh, that's yeah, that's just yeah, that's tragedy, isn't it? Yeah. Right, I was excited when JJ anything JJ grabs, yeah. JJ Rams. I'm very excited for. Well, he just gets he just gets to put his own spin on something and make it yeah. entirely his own, and that it just it's fun and it's that sort of alternate universe where anything can happen. Yeah, it's like an unlimited possibility. I know they talk about making like the fourth film. And they haven't got around to it because people scheduled some budgets and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And they're obviously not going to get around to it now until 2000 and diggity dig. Yeah. Sometime in the far future when we're not all like fucked up by this virus <laughs> and you know, left in motorized wheelchairs and <laughs> jousting for a packet of beans in, outside the little. Because <laughs> that's the way this is all heading. Yeah, yeah. Ultra yeah. depressing. So if you have to choose like one Star Trek original series. Original series. Original yeah. series. Absolutely. It's hard to argue with Original it? series and original series films and then the new films in that yeah. order. And then Discovery. I'd say my all-time yeah. moment probably um, Rafa Khan. Loved that movie. Yeah? Um, yeah. 
it's hard to, to take that over the original series, though. The original series is so it's spot on in every way. See, my favourite Star Trek film <clears throat> is Star Trek VI in Skull Country. Really? Yeah, because I think that's the most honest portrayal of James Kirk that William Shatner's ever given. That's him at his core. That's absolutely him stripped back to the essence of what makes him James Siberius Kirk. Okay. Do you think Shatner grew into the role or did he... I think he definitely grew into the role. I think Shatner grew into being, you know... I I think a lot of the reasons people give Bill Shatner crap is he found sudden fame with James Kirk and it went to his head. (laughs) Yeah. It happens to everybody. Yeah. You know? It would happen to us all, yeah. Yeah. You get stuff thrown at you. Oh, but Shatner's a really funny guy. Yeah. You you see Shatner and he just rips the piss out of himself continually. He has to have 20 years and he's just taking the piss. He knows his place in in the world, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And he just enjoys every second he has. And that is, I aspire to be like Bill Shatner. I like T.J. Lucas as well. See, I don't. (laughs) Not even had a lot clear. No. Oh, I yeah. don't watch television series for the ladies. <laughs> no way with you. I'm not one of your shallow perverts, which I am, of course. Hello, guys. This is Johnny from Astroturn, and you are listening to Mass Movement Podcast. Okay, well, let's move on to another classic uh, movie, at least we think so. 1998, Ronin. Fucking Ronin. Ronin. Oh. Yeah, so we we sort of discovered, you said you were watching it the other day. Yeah. And I was like, God damn, I love that movie. Yeah. And we both got sort of, we were like, we should yeah. talk about this in the cast. Because it's just, it's so good. Yeah. But it's one of those films that come out, came out for me, came out com- completely out of left field. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, the reason I watched it originally, because Robert De Niro and Jean Reno together, and John Frankenheimer film, I'm thinking, this is going to be all right. Yeah. While they come out, and get blown away by this multi-layered, Taylor betrayal and mercenaries and, and the CIA everybody just not being what they appear to be and the Paris setting of it all mm. it was just it was just a beautiful movie even like between the bits between the I mean the actions are awesome but even the bits in between the dialogue in between where yeah. De Niro and, and Renault are talking in a coffee shop and and then, but they had sort of cross purposes because they yeah. don't want to become too close they don't want to get to know each other because that would reveal who they are yeah yeah and it's that sort of mercenaries codes it's just a job we move on to the next yeah. thing it's just a job we move on to the next thing and Sean Bean being called out on being a fake basically yeah yeah the, the way the raspberry jam back there yeah, yeah. the raspberry jam the raspberry jam and you're just like oh sure man yeah. behave you know the way De Niro um, catches him up with a cup of coffee you know? yeah he sets him up in that trap and uh it's, what it's colour's the boathouse in Hereford? What colour's the boathouse? What? Yeah. There's no boathouse in Hereford, yeah. you dickhead. <laughs> I pink past that base. I know what it looks like. What's the name? John Frankenheimer. He's had, uh, he had previous with uh, Mancunian Candidate. Yeah. French Connection too, that sort of thing. So that was kind of his style of movie as well, wasn't it? Yes. A fast-paced yeah. story. This multi-layered story that's, that's properly captured. Except you never get to know more about the characters than they reveal to you. Yeah. And yeah. you fill in the blanks. Your imagination fills in the blanks as you're going along. And yeah. that's what drives the narrative of that film. I and, think, um, from a personal point of view, it's one of the greatest films in the 1990s. When you talk about Ronin, you cannot talk about the car chase. The, oh. the Paris car chase. See, you can. When you've been to Paris, you know that everybody drives like that anyway. Because <laughs> <laughs> through their last Christmas, it's like, 
punch a nut is <laughs> you can't drive like that like, I, so I, I, it was real <laughs> it's like every car has a bump on it. every car has a dent every car is scratched and bumpy because they just don't give us stuff it's like <laughs> I'm going there and if you try to stop me <clears throat> don't care bam <laughs> you know, I, it's the only city, <laughs> it's the city I've been in now, and I thought you know maybe spiritually I was supposed to be French yeah <laughs> <laughs> because I could I could happily live here yeah yeah because yeah. nobody gives a shit and everybody lives each other on it's literally a place of live and let live yeah where people enjoy coffee and food and beer and just yeah. hang out and be themselves you know and they scream and shout at each other in the streets they're amazing well that's the thing about the movie I mean the, the contrast perfectly what you just said about Paris yeah is all in the movie. It's got the action and you know the hustle and bustle, yeah. you know, the car chase, but it shows you the beauty of it all. Right. You know, when they go for like in these little sort of cafes for. Uh, but the, but the city is really fluid when you're there. It's mm. constantly moving. Nothing stands still, and nothing ever just stops. Yeah. Five minutes, even when like you're sitting in a, in a, in a cafe and you're having coffee and you're just watching the world go by, it's always something happening. It's always a constant sense of movement in the city, and that's captured in that car chase. Yeah. Because it's just perfect. I just wonder how how many people would say like, oh, because I would. I'd put in my top three De Niro movies. Um, oh wondering, yeah, yeah. You I'm just wondering how many people would do that, you know? Because it's one of those ones. Oh, that, here, here's a flash question for you: top three De Niro movies, top five De Niro movies, actually. Top five, go. Okay, uh, Raging Bull. Yeah. Ronin. Yeah. Cape Fear. Uh-huh. Um, Once Upon a Time in America. Right. And Godfather, uh, Patton. See, and you can completely no. Go on. That says Ronin. <clears throat> oh, I got, I got to say, because you know, a good fellas. Take out Godfather. So, so, so. Ronin. Jesus Christ, there's so many in the camera. Good fellas. Yeah. Midnight Run. Because oh, that is Midnight Run is just yeah a, a stone cold classic. And after that, Deer Hunter. Oh yeah, see, it's impossible. And then Mean Streets. Oh yeah. And taxi driver. Yeah. Taxi driver. Taxi driver. Shit. Do you know, there's so many. There's just so many. But when he turns it on, he really turns yeah, it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's got to want to turn on. He just can't. Just sometimes he just turns up and goes, "Yeah, I'll be Robert De Niro today." Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a little paycheck, you know, a couple of million dollars. And, uh, okay, cool. So that's Ronin. You could probably pick it up at like nine p. in a charity shop somewhere. Or just DVD. hang around and wait till it pops up on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. It's on, it's on Netflix. You should go your way to watch it. Though, for oh sure. God, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you what, Tim, there's something in the track, shall we? This is from a band called Death of Youth, or Engineer Records. Um, this is called Deconstruction. This is a painful exercise in taking apart my flaws in an attempt to better myself. My fault has seen transcendently cause the world self-deprecation I'm torn between Take practice, take some I'm 
Awesome. That was Deconstruction by Death of Youth. Go check them out on EngineRecords.com. We're going to deep dive at one, a band we both like with one of the nicest frontmen we've ever spoken to. Napalm Death. Napalm Death. Yeah, man. So um, we both spoke to Barney over the years. You're, you're, oh, yeah, yeah. You call him a friend. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I've spoken to him and he's a friend of the podcast. So um, it just so happened they, uh, they dropped a new album this week. Yeah. Which... It's so good. I've had it on constant rotation. It's called uh, Throws of Joy in the Jaws of Defection, Defeatism. Even. Kind of read my own writing. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, oh, it's, it's an absolute banger. So there's no better time than the deep dive. Deep dive into Napalm yeah, yeah. Death. So what's your relationship with Napalm Death? I go way back in Napalm Death. Um, yeah, you went to when they played Cardiff back in this first show. Yeah. So all the heads in Cardiff will remember these famous shows that Napalm Death did in Cardiff. I'm not that old to have been there. There was two of them in close succession. The yeah. first one was Cubby War. Now, was um, this the one where they, um, they had some skinheads? That's the next one, the Bristol Hotel. Right, okay. Um, so the first one is Cubby War. And by that point, I, I don't even write to Napalm Death. Yeah, they used to send me stickers and stuff in the post, like yeah. Dorian and Bill Steer. Um, so the album had dropped, and you know, so scums, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were like, um, 15, yeah. So they put this record on, this got this another one second long song, yeah. Oh, oh! <laughs> how fast is that? One second, bus, one second. <laughs> so we went to see him in, um. Club Evil. Yeah. Because Marv Mortoni put the show on. Okay. And um, so it was the Abnormal, who were an oi band from Down By Me, down from uh, Penavay. Yeah. Bridget. were amazing. Um, really sort of catchy, poppy oi. Okay. And I got to Nick and those guys after that show. I had all their demos. And yeah. All the tracks. Cause then Nick used to send his letters and stickers and yeah, more show and all that kind of stuff. And Life Cycle were also from Bridgen, played that show too. Okay. So it was like two Bridgen bands and, and they band, yeah, band That's awesome. Um, and it was just one of those shows that you will always sort of remember. Yeah, yeah. Because um, the queue was around the block. So Mar- what Marvel wanted to do was take IDs on the door for, uh, only people over the age of 16 were allowed in and yeah. 16 you can't go in because there's just going to be no room it was absolutely meant you were 35 at this point yeah. I was 35 at this point yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah because I was a little bit taller of my age yeah still skinny a little bit taller so I was, I was 15 so I could pass for 16 okay and we'd all come from Porth Call on the minibus <laughs> Porth Call and Canada so we'd all pass this minibus and one in so like one in you know if one's not in all aren't in yeah but we all got in and went in and it was just a riot in there. Um, <laughs> not until Napalm Death played anything to that. 
Okay. First couple of bands was hardly any more than dancers and we all bought records of people like Pink's when it was destroyed the time. So okay. Bottom records from like the second accused album, the first seven seconds album. Yeah. Um I remember the Cowboy Killers first seven inch just come out, so it was like this first seven inch from the Cowboy Killers and the and um Sect. Oh so yeah. Cowboy Killers is then Roger Ramjet yeah, yeah, yeah. on there. Yeah. Uh so we've got a copy of that and then Napalm Death hit, so records were put to one side. Yeah. Band went on, and it just came went off. <laughs> and it was like pint glasses that I bought for after. But the funny thing about that show is I did my back. That's the show I did my back in. Which you still suffer from? Yeah, my fractured across the bottom. Shit. Oh, was I coccyx? Yeah, 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 right across the bottom. So I was. Yeah. Um, because you're stupid, you're teenage, and you made a rubber and you're pissed. You yeah. don't even think about it, you just get up and carry on. Well, that yeah. hurt a little bit, but like next day I was bruised from my tits <laughs> down to my heart, you know, to my knees. Like, <laughs> and it's that that stopped me going to the army. Wow. Because um, they put my medical records. I got it, I was. I, when I originally went and signed up for the army, I signed up in Paris. And I was in, I was about to go off for basic training, and they put my medical records, and there's that. So, Napalm Death have had quite a profound A massive effect on, effect on my life, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then after that show, it was the Bristol Hotel show with the skinheads came out. And you think about it, it's like this massive thing with all these skinheads there. It's like a big fight, but in reality, it lasts like 10 seconds. Yeah, like yeah. That. Are we still in the Lee Dorian uh, era? Yeah, yeah, That's still Lee Dorian. I mean, Lee was still there till. Um, Probably the was obliteration, and then he left, discovered flared pants and for um, cathedral. Off the cathedral. Yeah. And then Barney came in for benediction. Yeah. And I think, arguably, the band got better with Barney. They had more focus, more energy, and more drive. Yeah. I think Barney's a better frontman for that kind of band than Lee was. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, there's no offence to Lee because he, you know, as with Cathedral, he was incredible. Yeah, I've seen um, Cathedral a few times. They but, were amazing. You know, because he's just like uh, an acid fried witch fried general. When, <laughs> yeah. when you see Cathedral, well, Barney is, is the better Napalm Dead frontman. Okay. Um, um, Ultimate album? Truthfully, yeah, it's Lee does not follow as the covers of people do. Well, I was going to say, even they even in, I was going to point this out their covers mm. they've done all these years, yeah. Um, they've even improved original songs by the bands. I love that, um, record because the cover of Low Life by Critics Slaughter is just yeah, phenomenal, yeah. and they also cover Politicians by Raw Power, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did some. Stuff for all parks when they're on Beer City, but all their questions again, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think, <clears throat> honestly, think as good as that song is by Raw Power and Napalm Death, which is better, yeah. And one of the last shows Napalm Death played the TJs, Barney gave me a shout out dedicating that song to me. It's like he knows nice. how much I love Raw Power, and how yeah, much I love yeah, that song because okay. you know, we go way back. And I was just like, that's just <laughs> to me, that's perfect. So I have, yeah, a long. Story history with Napalm Death. Well, we got to see him again last year, didn't we? We did. Um, <laughs> in Cardiff. It was great to see him. They're such a good live band. Um, I, I came into these a few years after you, sort of 1993, 4 ish. Right. Uh, first album I did was Utopia Banished. Yeah. 
Um, I'd seen the documentary. What was that BBC documentary where they were on the arena one? Yes, where they're all where they're like they're all sat in like Dusty's bedroom. Yeah, they look like sad, pathetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> no, I, I like that, but right. I actually the first record I listened to was Utopia Banished. Right. Um, and then I went backwards, as you do, or as I do. <laughs> you know, you go backwards to find out more stuff. Yeah, of course. And, yeah. Uh, there was this incredible album, and Scum. I was like, oh my god! Like you say, yeah. the one second song, you're like, holy shit. <laughs> they're like the heaviest thing ever and they're so they're so fast they got one second song yes. or oh just get any fast yeah. now but but fastest yeah. song ever but yeah. but um if I had to pick an ultimate album I'd say From Enslavement to Obliteration right. just love the sound on that the drums sound like they're just played on Satan's own ball sack <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's not a bad name for that but I think yeah. the reason I choose Leeds and Forest is simply because they just don't sound like they give a shit. There's nothing, they don't have to prove anything. They yeah, just yeah. sound the band having fun. Putting their, wearing their hearts on their sleeves and showing what influence that made them who they are. And yeah. that's why I like it. Yeah. Because it's just so. them switching off, we've got to be this, and just being who they are as people. Yeah. And that's, shows to every set that records. They're not a band, they're a band that's not afraid to show their, um, allegiance to, you know, if they, there's some goth stuff that you're covering. There's some sometimes they go a bit sort of guy Newmanish. They keep it yeah. heavy, but like the you know, in the vocal wise, and they're just not afraid. But they make it. It's all Napalm Death. Um, they make it work, and it's just an absolute. The, the, the UK heavy metal scene wouldn't be what it is if it wasn't for these. It's such an important. See, band. I think arguably the UK hardcore scene wouldn't be what it is. Yeah, yeah. Because when you look at yeah. when they came out, it was like the major players in my mind. At that time, were the Stupids, Doom, Napalm Death, Heresy, Ripcord, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, to a lesser extent, Decadence Within, yeah, um, Bad Beach, and it's it's just and, and civilized society, and you know it was a deviated instinct too, but you know, yeah, just sort this you know all these awesome bands coming together, and at the same time you had like. Two powerhouse Welsh bands in Rectify yeah. and the Cowboy Killers, and I think I honestly think in five ten years when people look back at the UK scene for that time, they're going to say, "Yeah, okay, all those major playing bands were great, like Heresy, some of the best bands in the world." Yeah, Cowboy Killers. Well, one of those bands you can probably bill equally with like a bitchery Machine Head or Sheer Terror. They're, yeah, they they belong. They can play with those yeah, bands yeah. equally, and they and they just slot in and then it's long. They belong on any bill. They, won't, yeah. they are not as odd as any other band. They will pl- they can play with anybody. Yeah. You know? And I I literally I can't count the number of times I've seen Napalm Death and I've never seen them play a bad show. Never. So um yeah, go pick up a new album. Uh, it's called Throws of Joy in the Jewels of Defeatism. Um then go and pick up every other single album by them because you won't be disappointed. And put some money in Barney's pocket. Yeah, yeah. Knows do the do the has earned it a thousand times over. Very much so, very much so. Hello everybody, this is Igor Cavalera from Peprick, Cavalera Conspiracy, and you guys are listening to Mass Movement Podcast. Okay, it's time to kick it up a notch. We've got a new track from the legendary innovators of power violence, hardcore, punk, you name it, they've done it. Drop Dead. This is from their new self-titled album, which dropped in September. This is Warfare State.
That was Drop Dead. The song is called Warfare State. The album is called Drop Dead and it's out now on Armageddon Records. Go check it out. Okay, so um, we drank their beer before at the beginning of this show. Um, so now Tim got to sit down with uh, Neil Randall from Top Egg, Top Egg, from Bang On Brewery. It's all beer and the world in general. And here's what he had to say. All right, Neil, how are you, sir? Yeah, good, Tim. All oh. good. Okay, so you want to tell us a bit about yourself and a bit about Bang On? So, Bang On are a, uh, a brewery in Bridgend. Um, we produce a beer on site, sell it directly, and um, kind of our area of specialties um, is actually branded and, and personalised beers. All right, so how did you, what made you want to start a brewery? Because obviously you didn't begin life as a brewer. That wasn't your first career path, I and mean, you've chosen to change career paths. Yeah, that's right. Uh, right, what made me start a brewery? Uh, some would argue stupidity. <laughs> um, it, it's not a business that you go into because you think, oh, business-wise, I'm going to start a brewery. It's something that you go into because you've, you've got a passion for it and yeah. you're interested in it. And um, that was something that that was really important to me is actually is a good quality beer. Um, but the brewery that it is today versus the brewery that I opened up and the one that I thought it would be they're two totally different beasts Um, there's been a lot of changes going on in the world over the last four years Um, God there's been a lot of changes going on in 2020 (laughs) let alone the last four years Uh, so as a business we've kind of had to constantly adapt um, so the business model is in constant state of evolution anyway so you just yeah it's, yeah. yeah absolutely yeah um, the only thing that's fairly consistent is um, four years ago we worked on a or I worked on a business plan uh, which would get us into profit over the first five years of right. trading and I knew where we'd be. Um, you start a brewery, there's a, there's a big expenditure in yeah. terms of capital equipment. Um, so financially, the, the business is pretty much where we predicted it would, would be. Um, yeah, but obviously, post-COVID, when we're still in the middle of the thing, you couldn't have predicted or planned for that. No, 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 not at all. I, th- I think it's more coincidence than anything else that mm. we are where we are financially um but in terms of the brewery as a as a business and what we do and how we do it um four years ago i'd never dreamt that would be where we are we, we are just a completely different business the only um the only thing that's the same as the product we produce is beer so initially was it did you plan for it to be a specific craft brewery because I mean, when the first time I popped in here, yeah, you were still building the brewery. It was still in its initial, st- well, not initial stages, but then the, most of the equipment was in, but it was still not ready for it to be open. Yeah, I mean, four years ago, we just thought, um, yeah, we're going to build a brewery. Uh, we're going to supply loads of pubs. Yeah. We're going to get into the supermarkets, and um, everything will be consistent and we'll know where we are. Mm-hmm. As it transpires, um, they're two markets that we actually don't deal with at mm-hmm. all. <laughs> um, you know, we, we go direct to 
um, direct to the consumer or or direct to our clients in terms of um, branding of yeah. beers. Um, and then up until this year, we were obviously doing um, supplying lots of restaurants and cafes and hotels. And we were also doing lots of events. Right. But needless to say, this year, the... All that's changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the cafes and restaurants that have their own branded beers, they're not open at the moment. Um, the thing is, when it, when it all struck, when we went into lockdown and COVID became our new normal, I think you were better prepared than anybody else I've seen for it because you sort of hit the ground running and said, look, well, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to change the way we operate. And as well as your own beer, you started selling local ciders, local sauces, and made delivery an option. Yeah, yeah. And people yeah. have sort of picked up on what you've done and followed your lead. Yeah, I think there were some of us that were probably already doing it. Yeah. Um, I mean, not to the scale. You started doing it with... Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely, you know? absolutely. I mean, yeah, it was an overnight thing. Mm. The, the, the thing that people don't recognise is that, you know, I've poured my heart and soul into this business. Yeah. I have very rarely taken time off. I mean, this year uh, we've had, been working seven days a week, anywhere mm. between 12 and 16 hours a day. And we've had four or five days off this year. Um, it's not good for you long term, no. but but needs mercy. It's you know. I think everybody's trying to adapt to this new reality that we're all in. It's difficult for everybody. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. We're all just you know, so everyone's just trying to find a way to get through it as best we can. I mean, what always struck me about when I came in here was you've always you always had a new beer on. You're always trying something different. Yeah. You know, you you. It's not a case of oh, well, we found our five core beers and we're sticking with them. You're always saying, "Fuck this! Let's try something different. Let's push the boat out a bit further. What can we do with this? How can we do that?" And that's one of the things that's always impressed me most about Bang On is is the fact that you you're not content to sit still. Well, yeah, and this is where things have had to change slightly this year. Right. So we're in a situation where we we are keeping a core range, right. but we will consistently pre- be producing one special. And then when that sells out, we'll produce another right, special. Okay. And that's where we're going from a consistency point of view. Okay, so what's the current special you're doing at the moment? So the the the, the current special, hmm. or the last special yeah. that we've got, uh, that we made, was a Black Forest Gatto Stout. Which is, just, <laughs> I've said this before on the podcast, right? Yeah. It is literally one of the best stats I've ever done. Yeah, and it's which just lovely to hear. Have such a low ABV and yeah. so much flavour and so much taste. It's just how you did it. Is I'm not even going to ask. Just yeah, you know, it's. I think Draw, we're not going to tell. Personally, I think it should go for being special to be in a core beer because mm. it's so good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we've got some plans for other ones. As soon as they, those special wise, we've we've got Fuster Cluck, yeah, which is the nine and a half percent Belgian style, and we've got. The um, the Black Forest Gatto right. that's there at the moment. Uh, in time for them selling out, then something new will be coming out. Right. But in terms of the the business model where it is, um, uh, yeah, <laughs> basically it's totally different to what it was. Um, 
we are doing those deliveries and yeah we're also selling uh, two other producers ciders another producer's gin and some chili sauces um just because they're small producers and we're all trying to help each other out so uh, what, with the impossibility prediction at the moment you know it, it's got to affect the way you plan daily weekly monthly because you never know what to expect you never know what's going to come up next you never know what regulation is going to come into force seemingly overnight yeah so um the last couple of weeks right. the last couple of months i've been behind the scenes working my cogs off to get our new website up and running um now it's actually live at this moment in time but i haven't shouted about it because there's a few bits that i need add into it which is where the changes come into place so we're hoping that in this next 12 months probably 60 to 70 percent of our revenue right. comes from online sales so we've got all of our postage in place we've got all of our packaging in place and we're just about to launch a new merchandise line as well. Okay. Um, with a lot of it personalised in addition. So you could um, you could order some Tim-branded beer. Well, I, I would, but, you know, it, just, it would taste awful and, you know, look at that one. But then you could have... Um, you could have your your own metal sign for your for your man shed, right? Um, or as an example, if um, you know, if your wife was ordering for you mm. and it was a surprise, so you would open it and it's like oh, I've got some beer. Oh, the beers are called Tim. Oh, it's got my mugshot on it, and then it's like actually, I've got a metal sign for my man shed, yeah. and oh look, there's a personalised and branded birthday card for right. me. There's my T-shirt, my hoodie, and so on and so, so forth. This, so personalization of beer is the way you're taking things forward? Personalization and, um, and a merchandise line in its own, in its own right. Okay. So there are some new designs that we've done, uh, which I'll show you. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I'll actually show you some of them now, just so we can judge your... Reaction. Judge my reaction in real time. Yeah. So, um, while you look at that, are you doing another Christmas beer? Because the last one you did was, yes. So, this year we are going back to the personalization. Yeah. Um, we're giving people an option to choose any of our beers, but having a personalized Christmas label on Right. Them. So, you're not actually doing a special. Especially after Christmas beer this year. No, no, no okay. we've made a we've made a conscious decision not to. So this is what you'll have this year. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's so all. Gonna, you, you, so you're going to turn everybody into an elf. Yeah, it's an elf yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, fair enough. It's pretty uh, cool. No one else is doing no, it. No, it is funny, and, and yeah. yeah. So, it, so you know, it's if, it's if more about are, the presence. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> It's definitely a, a, a good idea. Yeah. So you give you give people now to go with that. Okay. Okay. Oh, you're doing Christmas jumpers. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Now That's let's nice. face it. That is so shit. It's cool. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's dreadful, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. If you if you walk down <laughs> Christmas <laughs> morning, that your family would literally want to set you on fire. That is absolutely awesome. Yeah. And if I wore that, my wife would beat me to death with a hammer. Yeah, it's brilliant. So it's definitely worth getting. It, yeah. so she can put me out of my misery. Yeah. It's, it's it's so shit. It's great. Yeah. I love it. Um, right then. So let's let's just show you some of the merch lines that are coming through. Okay. So just for your own 
Uh, so my little look at that. Oh, they're here. All, all the core beers you've had. Well, that's nice. I like that. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay, like and then see if you can work this one out. Oh, dear God. That's just dreadful. <laughs> you are. Well, that, that's what most people would call me anyway. Most people would refer, refer to Chris as definitely a craft beer wanker. <laughs> so. Yeah. Chris, they found the perfect shirt for you, man. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's 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 stuff like this. We, ju we just, yeah, diversifying. See, it's, you know, your core range of beers, out of all the ones you've made, mm. which one's your favourite? Me, personally, um, we've got a Bohemian Pilsner. Yeah. Now, from a branding point of view, I think it's fair to say the label could do with an overhaul. It's, um, it, yeah, it, it's not the best label that we no, do. But, it, but the actual contents of beer-wise... Um, they're good. It's our best seller by Country Mill. See, for me, I, I always liked Mill. I used to love that American Pale Ale. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it's, it's, at the moment, it's Mill because that is so good. Yeah. You know that? Honey beer, because the honey just melts away to nothing, so you just got like a natural sugar and natural sweetness. Absolutely, uh, yeah. But the the real irony is because um, that was a special. There's actually only uh, in the brewery now. There is 15 bottles of male left, and, that, and I'm that's not going to buy them. So if you, but if you're listening to this and you want to try an exceptional honey honey beer, get on the band and set an order off New Yorkers. The fifteen left, you'd be silly not to let not to have a go at this. It really is That's much much appreciated. And because the thing is, you come in. Here, I mean, post COVID, people are going to start coming back in. Yes. And one of the things again, and another thing I like about this is sort of the, the atmosphere. There's no TV. There's no music unless you want unless people want it being to be played. You know, or people want to pull the guitar off the wall and play that. Yeah. And it's just it feels more how. Pub should be. It's about connecting with people in conversation and just enjoying good beer together. And that's another thing you've pushed forward. Absolutely, you know I mean? yeah. Um, if you want to use your mobile phone, yeah. go and stand outside. Yeah. If you come here, you come here to talk to whoever you're here with, yeah. not, to, not to look at your mobile phone. Exactly. Um, yeah. We just want this environment to be a sociable environment where... Um, potential friends become friends really you know or new friends meet or as has been the case today old friends reacquaint yeah so what Neil's talking about is as I popped in I bumped into an old friend of mine Bobby and I haven't seen him in 27 years and it was just it was nice to catch up and actually yeah make plans for the future of them as well such as it will be yeah so let's get back to craft beer man. so what what initially pulled you into the world of craft beer? What made you want to become part of that brewing collective? I worked in an industry right. that was um, that was pretty brutal and was pretty cutthroat. Mm. And um, as an outsider looking in, it seemed like the brewing industry was really quite collaborative and and friendly. Uh, which made a nice change. Um, but the reality is you get into this industry and it's not necessarily what it appears. Mm. It's like anything else. It, it is still brutal. Um, it can be it can be frustrating. Yeah. And it's not actually very professional at times right. either, which is uh, which is somewhat 
frustrating. Um, I guess it's the same with anything. People will always be people, regardless of which endeavor they're putting their efforts into. It did, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It it it, it doesn't stop you getting frustrated. No, no absolutely not. Absolutely not. You but know? Um, you know, as I say, we've we just focus on what we're doing. We don't respectfully. We don't look at any other breweries. We don't look at any other beer companies. We just focus on what we're doing. Um, okay, so with that in mind, you talk, you talk about other companies in the beers. If you were to recommend four beers that weren't bang on beers, that you, you personally enjoy more than any others, what would they be? <clears throat> on an international scale, yeah. there is a, uh, a brewery in New York, and they do a beer called Optical Illusion. Right which is, I think it's 7.4% pale ale. So it's a nice sort of yeah. middle ground ABV. But yeah. actually, the, the tastes are kind of like toffee caramel. Oh, okay. It's, 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 it's so lovely. So it's got that sort of innocent gun thing going on. No, a lot a lot more subtle than that. Oh, like okay. Literally, it's it, it's Moorish and easy drinking, which is dangerous. That's 7.2, that's incredibly dangerous. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so that's a beer that I... Um, that whenever I can get it, which isn't yeah. very often, but whenever I can get it, do. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a no-brainer. I don't even give it any consideration. Just, That's, yeah, yeah. It, if I can get it, I will do. Um, on a local basis, uh, there's a, a brewery in um, Aberdeen right. called Grey Trees. And cask-wise... Mm. If I'm in the right pub with the right landlord, then they're pretty much unbeatable. It, as a range yeah. of cast beers, they they are genuinely very very nice, mm-hmm. and I do I do like those. Um, and I've got a lot. To, I've actually got a lot of time for the people in right. that brewery as well. Uh, they're a good bunch. So that's uh, that's pretty. You know, that's something I would drink if I was in a pub locally and I okay. saw it there. Um, what else? I've got to be honest with you. I, t- I tend to be pretty loyal to my own beers. No, that's, that's, ab- that's absolutely <laughs> that's absolutely fine. Here's the United United or somebody else. It's just, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you from the beers people drink, you can tell a lot about them. You know, yeah, you, you get an idea of their taste. Some, you know, obviously, by asking you what are the beers you drink, yeah. you get an idea of what bang on beers are going to be like, so that they can say, okay, yeah, I'm going to try that because I know what that's going to be like. No, that make that makes sense. Um, that, I mean, there are, there are loads of nice beers out there, and even like I've had some beers by some home brewers where they've just brought something in, saying, "Oh, try this," yeah. and it's really nice. The problem they've got is they can't replicate it. Anybody, any no, home he's brewer, just trying to keep that going all the time. Keep, yeah, yeah. Any home brewer can 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 actually make a wonderful beer, but the problem is they might make that beer in February and the central heating's on and the the you know the windows are closed yeah. and um, they leave it in the mash for fifty five minutes or it's from a home brewer. You know there are so many different variables, and then they'll go to make it again in August, and it's. Completely the, it's 32 degrees 
outside, you know, the windows <laughs> are open. Um, yeah, they leave it in the mash for an hour and 10 minutes instead of 55 minutes. And, you know, they might put a different quantity of yeast in, whatever it may be. It's You can't always just replicate that that beer. The the real key to it is, is repetition and, you know, keeping to, to standards, really. Okay, so if there's one bang on beer, either you think represents what you do that you would if someone said what which beer should I buy which one would it be which beer would you say best represents your brand and it's a good indicator for anybody who wants to try some of your beers I would say the Bohemian Pilsner right would would appeal to the IPA drinker yeah it would appeal to the craft beer drinker yeah and it also appeals to the lager drinker. Right. Now, what's good about it is you will get a Carlin drinker, as an example, and apologies for my, <laughs> apologies for my bad language, <laughs> but you will get a Carlin drinker in here hmm. that has only ever drank that. Yeah. And then they'll try this and they'll go, oh, wow, it's got some flavour. This yeah. is really nice. And you'll speak to them six months later, and then all of a sudden they've... You know, they're working their way through the, the whole craft beer scene. Yeah. You know. But it's, it's, it's remarkable. It's just that one beer that always switches you on to yeah. something different. And, that, and that's what that beer is. Mm. It, 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 is it has turned a lot of people. And therefore, I, I think I have to give reference to it because it's done the job it intended to, yeah. intended to do. Um, but then on the other end of the scheme, we've also got, um, first o'clock, which is easy for me to say, yeah. but not, <laughs> <laughs> but not so easy after three or four yeah. of them. So that's that's annoying. Well, that's a that's a monstrous beer. I mean, yeah. I, I like Belgian triples. I, I am a big fan of Belgian triples anyway. But that one, if a Belgian triple is, it will knock you on you. Yeah, it's it, it's nine and a half percent, and it's just really sweet and smooth. It's easy again. It's easy, easy to drink. It's another easy drinker, and that's the problem with it because it's so easy. It goes and it, it just oh. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I've i got a soft spot for that. Yeah. Plus, first o'clock is actually really quite appropriate for 2020. <laughs> for exactly where we are at the moment. <laughs> it sums okay. everything so, good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, I guess, so what's, we better start winding things up. So what, what, what are you looking to plan for the future if you can't plan anything at all? If I can plan anything at all, mm. it's to keep in control of our own destiny. Right. And I think the way forward for that at the moment is to focus on the online side. Right. Um, while we're working the way we're working, uh, if I was to cover the whole of the CF postcode, I've got a maximum of a potential of 954,000 customers. Whereas... Uh, as soon as I go online, I think it's what sixty-eight million in the UK. Yeah. So, <laughs> but that's yeah. just the UK. I mean, you you know, yeah. I'm pretty sure that in your mind, you've already thought about collabs with other people and stuff 
Oh, years. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, push forward. Yeah. Because I, I, I always imagine, in my, in, in my brain, it's always like, what would be a great collab? Oh, you know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see Bang On do a collab with Victory. I'd like to see Bang On do a collab with Evil Twin. Something like that. Someone who yeah. sort of inhabits the same sort of ground you do. Yeah, it would... It would never say never. Hmm. The biggest problem at the moment is we're in Bridgen and we're we're locked down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know, but it's, 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 it's always that. I always have that yeah. idea where you know, putting if put your your brain together with some with one of their brewers' brains, it would just be that would be fun. It would be a yeah. fun drinkable beer that com- comes completely out of the blue. You know, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we've 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 got we've we've, we've definitely got some thoughts of what we want to do moving forward. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, we just need to kind of roll up our sleeves, pull up our socks. Get on with it. And get on with it. Yeah. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, mate, it is what it is, isn't it? Absolutely. All right, well, thanks for your time, Neil. No probs. Cheers, Tim. Right, no worries. Cheers, buddy. Okay, cool. That was Neil Randall from Bang On Brewery. Make sure you go to their website, order some awesome beer. BFG Stout. BFG Stout all <laughs> the way. Go um, check out their Facebook. Check out their, go to their brewery itself. It's, uh, it's an awesome place. But um, whatever you do, just check them out. Right, so the time has come. As promised, I got the chance to sit down with the legend that is Mr. Steve Jewell, otherwise known to every heavy metal fan in the UK as Crusher. Uh, it was an absolute privilege to sit down and have a chat with him. And here's what he had to say. Hello, Crusher. It's Chris from Mass Movement. How are you doing, UK? Yeah, very good. Excellent. How was, how was the back? <laughs> My back's a lot better. I went to a chiropractor. Uh, it's cost me a fucking fortune, but it's fucking, uh, yeah, um, my back's good, thank you. Excellent, okay, so I want to start right at the beginning with you, so the beginning of your, your metal journey. What was the first um, band or first album that put you on the, the rock path in your formative years? Uh, well, to, to be honest, the, the first bands that I saw live that actually made me think I want to be in this business were uh, Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, and a band called Taste. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and it was all back in 1969 when you weren't even a twinkle in your fucking father's bollocks. That's right? correct, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I went to a place called Malvern Winter Gardens. We, they, they put on a show once a month, twice a month if you were lucky. And I remember that it was September 69 that I saw Taste of Deep Purple on the same bill. And I think it was um, March or May 1970 when I saw Black Sabbath. Uh, and... That was it. You know, when I saw those three bands, that was it. That's what I'm doing. I don't know if I want to be, you know, in a band or management or a roadie or whatever, but I want to be in the music industry. You you just knew you wanted to be involved in some way, shape or form. Yeah, yeah, I want to be. uh, My heart was fucking sold to rock and roll. (laughs) (laughs) You were there right at the beginning then. That's awesome. That would have been Sabbath's first... Tour, I would imagine. Oh, I was so I was so lucky, seriously. And do you know what? In all honesty, I wish. I mean, I'm 66 now. Uh, I wish I was actually 
born a few years earlier uh, because there were there were there were things happening uh, that if I'd been a little bit older, I'd been able to go to. Yeah, and I wish I'd seen. You know, like like Hendrix and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, you know? but yeah, no, I was very lucky. I mean, I was I, I was there in the golden days. So you found um, your niche uh, in artwork you know, as a free, you started as a freelance designer, yeah? Yeah, you know, that's what that's what I did. I, I went to um, Herefordshire College of Art for two years, did a foundation course. I went to Goldsmiths College in London, did a three years course, a Bachelor of Arts course. They failed me because they're fucking idiots. <laughs> and, um, uh, and, and, and then I went on to, believe it or not, I went on to work for a... Uh, a local newspaper in South East London called South East London and Kentish Mercury. Okay. And through that, uh, I, uh, I I met a girl, she became a girlfriend for a while, but her father was, uh, uh, he was pretty well connected in, in a lot of different areas. And I'm talking about from the oil industry to the boxing industry, right? Right. Uh, and uh, he said to me, look, I'm going to set you up uh, as a freelance designer, right? I'm going to give you some work. He gave me some work uh, to design for Total Oil, the Total Oil Company. I mean, that was fucking one of the first fucking freelance jobs I did. Right, yeah. That fucking oil company, which when I think back on it now, I wish I hadn't. But, you know, <laughs> with all the fucking shit that goes on with oil and that. But, yeah. But anyway, no, it was a big break. first big um, commission piece? What was your, your first one where you thought, wow, that's big time? First of all, well, do you know what? There was one with the label, actually, because the label was run by two guys that I, I can't remember what they're fucking... One was called... Yes, I can remember. One was a guy called Tony Caruso, which is a great fucking name. <laughs> Sadly, I can't remember the other guy. But the third partner was a guy called Dave Goodman. Now, sadly, Dave Gooden is dead, but he was the guy who first produced the Sex Pistols, right? Okay. And he's the guy that taught fucking Sid Vicious how to play bass. And as he was a partner of, of the label, he did a single called Justifiable Homicide. Right. Um, and he had fucking Steve Jones and Paul Cook 
from the Sex Pistols when they were fucking hot, right? When they were fucking hot, playing on that single. And I designed the cover for it, and I knew this this is actually, I've, I've gone up a level now, you know, yeah. this is something hot. But because of legal reasons, right, we had to take their names off the fucking oh, back never. cover. Right, where it says where it says guitar and where it says drums, it's just blank and blank. And we, you know, yeah. I've actually got printers' proofs of that cover with their names on, and that's part of my pension plan for you know <laughs> when I have to go to a care home, I'll sell all that shit. But yeah, you know that that was like yeah, I know I'm going up a level now, and then I suppose the next time that I knew I was going up a serious level was when I got a call to ask if I would be interested in uh, doing Blondie's tour program for wow. their 1977 uh, Parallel Lines tour, which then led on to me, it was directly through that program that led on to me working with Motorhead and designing their first ever program for the Overkill tour. And then I designed programs for Motorhead up until, oh fuck, I think it was another perfect day. Okay. Um, of course then, you know, I'm kind of established. Yeah, yeah, of course. Is there, um, uh, over, the, over the time you were producing, um, sorry, you were putting, doing the artwork for records, what was your, is there a favourite piece of artwork from that period that you produced? Oh, oh God. Uh, well, do you know what? This, uh, I'm, I'm really, I love the, the first Motorhead tour programme. Now, I didn't realise it was actually for the Overkill album. When I went into the office, I, the pictures that they, because they, what they would do, there were no computers back then. They just gave me a, a load of, it was all black and white. There was no, it, it wasn't color program. It was just black and white. They gave me a load of black and white pictures, some words that had to go in, and you know, the credits, you know, yeah. done so and so, you know. And, uh, and it's like, go away, put it together. And I remember Doug Smith, their manager, saying to me, this is all about being loud, right? Okay. All about being loud. And I always referred to it as the All About Being Loud tour, not knowing it was the fucking overkill tour. <laughs> years fucking later. Uh, but that, because it was all about being loud and it was motorhead, I... I put in loads of pictures of hearing aids in, <laughs> into the into the tour program. Yeah, and I still I still look back on that, and I think, fuck me, you know, no computers, nothing like that. You did that all off your own back. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one of the very early, well, very very early pieces that I'm really really proud of. But I'm really proud of a lot of stuff that I've done. Yeah, and, yeah. And you know, stuff that I wasn't proud of, like when I did the Born Again cover for Black Sabbath, I thought it was a pile of shit, to be quite honest. And that's what it was supposed to be, a pile of shit. <laughs> that they would say, no, we don't want it. But I got a phone call saying, yeah, we fucking love it. And it was like, oh, Jesus. 
but now I look back on it, and yeah, I know it's it. Yeah, it's a great cover. A lot of people, I, I was reading up um, about that, and people like um, Glenn Benton, I think Max Cavalier, I think it was. Glenn Benton, Max Cavalier, and fucking Kurt Cobain. <laughs> Crazy, and they all love that cover. And do you know what? Um, now, I know I might be pushing things a bit here, but, you know, the, um, the Nevermind cover, it's yeah. got a baby. It's a baby. Okay, swimming in a pool. Wow, yeah. You know? Didn't think of it that way, yeah. Could be onto something there. Yeah, 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 exactly. So you you went on to join uh, Kerrang! in 1982 as the uh, art director, is that right? Yeah, in 19... I think it was 83, actually. 83, was it? I talked to them in 82. Yeah. I had a, a, a meeting with their editor at the time, a guy called Alan Lewis, brilliant man um in just before uh christmas in 82 and he said right he loved what he saw and he said go away design the, some stuff for us you know like the, the logo and stuff and, yeah and, and you know, come back and uh so i came back in uh, 83 beginning of 83 and he goes we love it um and and then he goes do you fancy designing the magazine and it's like, yeah, but on, only on a freelance basis. I don't want to be under a, a contract. Right. Know? I want to be able to do other shit. Yeah, and yeah. It, they, they was, he was great with that. And yeah, from, from 83 to, I think, 93, uh, it was. I could be wrong. It might be 82 to, uh, you know, 92. Right. But, you know, who, who gives a fucking <laughs> what were some of the highlights from your time there at Kerrang? What was the one you think back oh, of your time Kerrang. in Kerrang? Oh, yeah. Fuck's sake. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, the first highlight was when I first started, right? And I was, uh, 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 you know, I had short hair. I was wearing tank tops. Uh, I, I looked like fucking Mr. Normal. Uh, <laughs> and everybody would go out to the pub at lunchtime. And me being goody goody fucking two shoes would stay in and carry on with my work because as I say back then we didn't have computers it was it was fucking hard work yeah yeah and fortunately at that time it was we were only doing it fortnightly so I had time to fucking work on stuff and in in all honesty I was learning as I went along right I'd done stuff in the past but I was really learning Okay. And, uh, I remember one lunchtime, uh, the photographer Ross Halfin. All right, yeah. Have you heard of him? Yeah. Yeah, I, I call him Gross Halfwit. <laughs> uh, because he's a fucking cunt. Uh, and uh, he came in with Billy Gibbons. Wow. From ZZ Top, right? And he goes, and Ross goes, oh, all right, mate. Uh, this is Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top. Where is everybody? I go, you know where everybody is, fucking Jesus Christ. They're in the pub, right? <laughs> and Billy Gibbons was generally said, excuse me, sir, I would like to have a, uh, do you have a letter, uh, you know, a, a piece of paper with a letterhead or a compliment slip or anything with the word Kerrang on it? And I said, yeah, 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 yeah over here. Sadly, it's not, my Kerrang logo, it's a horrible pink and black. 
I know, uh, yeah. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Right. It's all in one thing. And I'm 
Did you get the new sound system after then? Yeah, of course we did. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so you moved on to sort of working in um, TV then. Then how did that sort of transition come about? And were you that nervous was, about was, making? That, you know, were you nervous about being in front of the camera? That was very bizarre. That was very bizarre. Yeah. That was to do with Dante Benuto, who was the assistant editor of Kerrang, and the guy that should have been made the editor of Kerrang instead of Jeff Bart. Um, Dante was an absolute genius. Jeff Barton is just a fucking... He discovered Kiss, and that's his fucking... <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Fucking, you know what I mean. Uh, but anyway, Dante uh, was, was, as I say, the assistant editor, and he was going off and doing these TV things, and no, none of us really knew what it was about. Uh, because it went out so late, it was on ITV and it went out fucking like three o'clock in the morning. That's right, yeah. At three o'clock in the morning, all of us would be fucking out some club fucking hammering it. <laughs> and so we never, and, and, he, and but be, because Dante was a busy man, he said to me, look, I'm doing this TV show, uh, but uh, I can't do it all the time. Would you come in and do the odd one. Okay. Which I did. And that TV show was called Power Hour. Yeah. Remember well. It then went on to be called Raw Power. Yeah. When I was dropped because Raw Magazine was the why it was called Raw Power and they dropped me and got fucking Phil Alexander. That's right. Another fucker I don't have much fucking respect for. Who looked exactly like me with the fucking long curly hair. Yeah. Except he had none of my personality or character. No, no, definitely not. No. Or character, right? He was just a fucking, you know. I, I, I'm <laughs> not going to go into all that shit because um, I fucking hate the cunt. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Tell her it is. <laughs>
when raw power died and then it became noisy mothers yeah and that's when that's when uh, i came into my my my, my finest performance <laughs> on TV. yeah definitely So what on camera? You were you were like you you've been drinking and stuff like that, on yeah? Camera, I was out of my brain. <laughs> Excellent. I was seriously, out of my brain. Uh, 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 and you know what? Uh, I don't remember most of it. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, some and I don't even remember Anne and Kirk, who is my co-presenter, the girl with the blonde hair. I was about to ask for her because I've, I've literally yeah, not yeah. seen her since anywhere. Yeah, well, no, Anne now lives in Los Angeles. She's married a very handsome man. She's wow. got nothing to do with the uh, the music industry. Okay. And she's fucking happy as a fucking pig in shine. Oh, that's good news. Um, Excellent. <laughs> yeah, you know, she's, she's, she, we're, we're still in contact, right? But Anne, Anne was very, very much an important part of Noisy Mothers. She was a, uh, uh, a producer, as well as the, uh, you know, my co-presenter. Yeah. And yeah, she did all the hair bands, I did all the heavy stuff. Yes. And it was a perfect, it was a perfect, perfect, perfect fucking yin-yang, you're yeah, my thing. very much so, yeah. I always loved the Cosmos, the uh, the Crush's Cosmos. That was always a particular favourite of mine. Was yeah, it? yeah, the couch, yeah. Yeah, was that your idea well, or was you know that... I'll tell you what, I'll give you a little bit of exclusive now. Go on in. Crush's Cosmos, Crush's Cosmic Couch yeah. might well be coming back in the not-too-distant future. Wow. I'm not say anything more about that. It's just a possibility. That would be amazing. That would be fantastic to see again. There you go, you've got an Excellent. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I mean, you interviewed loads of bands um, over the years. Who are your sort of um, worst and best interview subjects? Worst, worst one was Tom Kiefer from Cinderella. Oh, really? And I knew, I knew it, it wasn't his fault. It was early in the morning and it was a pre-record. It was like one of those, you know, you pre-record it and you're going to broadcast it later. Uh, and... He just, he wasn't into it, and he was just giving me yes and no answers. Oh, really? I said to him, said to him look, uh, you don't want to do this, do you? And he goes, no. I said, well, fuck off. <laughs> and, and he did, and he did. And, and he, well, I, didn't, I didn't mean it. Well, I didn't mean fuck off, but he, he knew exactly as well. Yeah. And I'm sure if I met him again, he, do you know what? He was the only person I've ever interviewed that, well, the other one was Harry Shearer. Okay. It was uh, Derek Smalls. Yeah. Spinal, Spinal Tap. Spinal yeah. Right. But that's a, that's a long story, and I'm not going to go into it now. <laughs> okay. But I'll tell, I tell you what, it, the circumstances of the interview were we were doing Right. Play along with it. I see. And when we were when we were walking, out, this was for the BBC as well. 
And hopefully, I think I might have it on a fucking reel-to-reel somewhere. Right. One day I'll fucking release it. Right. And it, the interviews, are, you know, it's okay. It's not brilliant. Uh, they were just, uh, they were promoting Spinal Tap for the second time. Right. Right. Uh, um, and they released the album for the second time. And he just, he, he didn't even come in and Derek Small, he came in and he was just like, you know, Mr. Normal. Yeah. And it, it was like, it was like, yeah, okay. And I knew he hated the interview because I was coped out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and I had an assistant who was my coke dealer who okay. sat in the corner who I'd said, don't fucking talk, right? Don't even speak. I'm just going to say that you're my fucking technical assistant. Right? <laughs> and we did it all. Um, and as I say, this was for the BBC. <laughs> and as we were walking him back to the reception area, which was probably a, a minute's walk, he turned around to me and he looked at me and he looked at me seriously in the eyes. Yeah. And he goes, you are a fucking disgrace to your profession. Oh, wow, really? And I, I looked at my my coke dealer, <laughs> and we both looked at each other, and we fucking high-fived, and he goes, we went, Derek Small has told us we are the fucking worst thing in our fucking profession. <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. Derek, fuck off. We didn't take him to the fucking front door. He was like, yeah, fuck off, you fucking wank. Although... In all honesty, I love Harry Shearer. Yeah. I do. You know, I love everything he does. The voices with Simpsons and yeah. that shit. I love it. But at that point, it was like, that no, fuck off your way. You know? <laughs> oh, if, if you think you're in fucking Spinal Tap and you think I'm a fucking disgrace, you fucking failed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so Eddie Van Halen passing this week. Yes. I couldn't let you go without mentioning the uh, the greatest Van Halen cover ever. Um, that would be Jump with yourself and Wurzel. Oh God! <laughs> How on earth did that come yes. about? Right, I never 
Yeah. I never knew that it actually fucking had elements of fucking brutal, fucking heavy fucking metal. Yeah. You know, and hardcore motherfucker has got that fucking element of hardcore fucking techno heavy metal shit. Yeah. And I love that track, and I used to put it into, I used to put it into my DJ sets. Um, when I, you know, way back, and it always went, you know, you'd see people looking around, you know, especially like fucking Nottingham Rock City. Yeah. Where Johnny fucking came from, you know, at that time, Nottingham Rock City was all fucking cowboy boot brigade, <laughs> fucking big hair. Yeah, yeah. Fucking Bon Jovi, fucking wank, wank, wank. <laughs> and uh, I used to put that on, not almost at the end of the set, and I would just wait to see the dance floor clear. It didn't fucking clear. They fucking, yeah, the cowboy group fucking cleared out. But you're talking about fucking thousand people there. Yeah, right? yeah. So you've got, you know, you've got 200 people who fucking walked out, fucking stand at the side looking at me going, you fucking wanker. <laughs> and I've got 800 people on the fucking dance floor fucking banging it out. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, 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 we've done a fucking good thing here. And it was, I, I mean, Wurzel didn't really want to do it, right? He didn't want to do it. And, and I just, I, I, I said to Johnny, look, Johnny, we've got to do this fucking trap. Will you do it? You know, Wurzel's on his fucking downers. And he, he loved the fucking Motag. I mean, Johnny fucking loves all things fucking brutal. Mm. You listen to all of this stuff, it's, it's fucking nosebleed. Yeah. You know, it's fucking, it's fucking more ferocious than fucking Motorhead. Yeah. To be quite honest. And, uh, and he goes, yeah, I'll do it. Can you get him in the studio? I said, I'll fucking get him in the fucking studio. You know, and we got Wurzel in the studio and he was, Wurzel was very fucking reluctant at the start. And Johnny says, right, look, I'm going to put some headphones on you Right, uh, we're doing like a, it's like a, a what is it, uh, like the metronome thing, just a, you know, a beat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, the song's in G or whatever. Right, I'm not playing you anything. Just do a solo to this this beat. And Rose was like, yeah, okay. And I, 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 I seriously remember, I, I seriously remember this. We were both in the studio, and me and Johnny are looking at each other, and Wurzel's just like, he's just fucking slouching. He's like, you can tell. Yeah. You know, he's, he's not going to do it. And then suddenly, bang, he went into a 20-minute solo. Wow, okay. A 20-fucking-minute solo. And we just took tiny bits out of that fucking solo. And he ended it, he ended the fucking solo, it's like a, a prince at the end of fucking Purple Rain. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know. It's like, Jesus <clears throat> fucking Christ, we've got it, we've got it, we've got it, and we've got it in one. We've wow. got it in one take. And, and Wurzel was, I don't know, I, I never knew actually if he was happy with the fucking final Product. Yeah. Because I know that Lemmy, Lemmy took the piss out of it. <laughs> um, oh, uh, you know, but, but 
Lemmy Wood. Yeah, yeah. Because he was, he was techno. But at the same time, if you imagine a member of Motorhead being brave enough to do something like that. Yeah, of course. I think Lemmy should take a step back and actually applaud him for yeah. being... To be in the brave, yeah, yeah. Who is, who's brave enough mm. to do something musically different. Because, in, you know, in all honesty, Motorhead never did anything musically different. They were just Motorhead. No, they rarely stray from the path, are they? And, and Lemmy, you know, you know, all, all the side projects that he did is all rock and roll. Yeah. But Wurzel had the guts to fucking do something that was out of the ordinary. Very much so, yeah. Um... Okay, well, just to wrap it up then, um, anybody who wants to catch up with you can do so on your Facebook page, is that right? Yeah, where... Yeah, yeah, my Facebook page. Don't mention anything else. I've got some other stuff up on the, the internet, but it's all shit. I'm trying to get it changed. Okay. I've got, no, no, I've, I've got a, you know, you go to www.crusher.co.uk yeah. and see my history, but that's a, sh- a shite fucking... <laughs> I mean, your Facebook page is great, though. Uh, I mean, it's, it's sort of, you, you tell so many good stories on there. Um, Thank you. Is that, I mean, did you ever think about putting all those into a book? And... Yeah, well, you know, I've done a book. Oh, have you really? I didn't, I didn't know that. I have done a book. It's called uh, After Forever, uh, The Inside Story of Black Sabbath's Greatest Tour. Oh, right, yeah, but, yeah. I was aware of that one, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's on King but. Don't buy it, right? Okay. I'm going to go into the details of why I don't buy it, but I don't make any money out of it. Oh, no, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's the story of my fucking life. Everything I've done, I don't make any fucking money out of it. I'm very lucky to have found a fucking wonderful woman yeah. who's allowed me to live with her. You know, <laughs> otherwise I'd be fucking... Yeah. In a, I'd be fucking sleeping under a hedge. <laughs> well, you've got one of those great rock and roll stories, haven't you? Those, uh, you know, the, the, the life you've lived. Well, yeah, I've, I've been blessed. I've been blessed. Yeah. I've done it all. I mean, seriously, I've, I've, I've done it all. I've done it with everyone. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, and, and it's, I know it's what a lot of people imagine they would love to do, and I've done it. Yes, I'm very lucky. Yeah, very much so. Well, um, thanks for the interview, Crusher. That was that was great. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Is there any any shout outs you want to give or anything like that, or any shout outs or any? Well, yeah. Any, uh, my last words will be rock hard, rock heavy, rock fucking animal. Yes. Right? <laughs> Thank you, Crusher. Okay. That's great. Honestly, lovely a to pleasure. talk to you. A pleasure. Take care, okay. Crusher. Bye bye now. Bye bye. Hi, this is H from Acid Rain, and you are listening to the Mass Movement podcast. Good idea, that. I heartily endorse this podcast. So I've got some shout-outs to Tim. Shout-out to Crusher for being Crusher, and it was lovely to speak to him. Shout-out to, shout to Neil, because he rules. Yeah, man. Shout-out shout to Barney. Barney. This dude <laughs> never fault. That's always true. Yeah. Uh, I'll shout-out to Chris from El Chapo. Uh, shout-out to David Gamage, as always. Uh, that's about it. I believe that is it. So and the rest, you can all go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll catch you soon. Yeah, take, take it care. easy. Have fun. Bye-bye. Bye. Movement presents. Movement presents.